0: Doing everyone good? I'm so excited to be here. Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Mob, uh, Greenville, Columbia, Powdersville, Anderson, my Clemson folks. Uh, It really is uh, an honor to be with you tonight. I'm not six foot seven and I don't have a cool accent, uh, but I promise we're going to have a whole lot of fun. Like Josh said, Uh, My name is Glenn, and if I haven't got to meet you, I would love to to meet you one day. Uh, I get the privilege of serving here at our Clemson campus, and it's a dream job. I I, I love it so much. Uh, And tonight, I get to continue this series we've been in about pursuing people. And so let me just ask, has anyone enjoyed this series? Yeah? Great. Some shouts here in Clemson. Uh, Just to remind you and and put in front of you, uh, week one... Josh Bull talked about this idea of uh, the reality is it's a simple yet profound thought that the heart of Jesus is to pursue and love people, very simply, right? And if we're disciples of Jesus, then it should be our heart too. And I loved what he said, um, that he, his hope was that through this series, something would uh, rise up within you and compel you to actually do the things that Jesus did and to actually go make disciples of, of, of all nations and to actually go and love a broken World, and then week two, Josh De La Cruz. Which, if you haven't checked out our YouTube or podcast, you need to check them out because they're amazing. Josh De La Cruz at our Myrtle Beach campus. He did a podcast all about uh, evangelism and how to reach lost people, and it was amazing. Uh, And tonight, I get to just pick up where they uh, left off and carry uh, on the conversation a little bit. And so, uh, as the way I'm thinking about it, if Josh a couple weeks ago uh, talked about the what of this series, tonight I want to talk about the why and the how. Tonight is gonna be super practical, okay? My goal is to literally give you tools that help you on Monday morning, that help you on Wednesday morning, that help you every day of your life. I wanna be super practical. Also, tonight's gonna be super simple. It's gonna be super simple. This is not like a new idea, this idea of pursuing people and loving people. It's not like I'm not, you know, presenting something you've never heard before. I'm not gonna blow anyone's mind tonight, but my prayer all week has been this, that the gap between what you know And what you'll actually do at the end of this series will be closed. The gap between what you know uh, and what you'll actually do at the end of this series will be closed. Because here's the reality, right? Every person in this room, Christian or non-Christian, you know as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we're called to love and pursue people. Right? Like this is the basics of Christianity. It's Christianity 101. Love God and love others. But the problem is, I believe that it's kind of become like white noise within the church. It's what we know, but I want us to challenge us tonight. Are we actually doing this? I believe as Christians, we've done more finger pointing than we have invited people in. More yelling than we have communicated the tone and heart of Jesus. More shaming and condemning than actually extending grace. More hanging out with people that look just like us inside the walls of these churches, but not actually going and pursuing People that are in desperate need of Jesus. And please hear me, I'm not throwing shade tonight, okay? I, I have been, this series, I haven't told Josh this, this series has been more convicting to me than any series I've ever been in. Again, it's not a new idea, but God has been really uh, getting in my mind and, 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 and asking me and challenging me, hey, are you actually doing these things, I genuinely, listen, I want to activate you tonight. That is my heart, activation. Activate you into a life of doing ministry in whatever season of life you're in so that together we can carry on the mission and heart of King Jesus to love and pursue people. And so with all of that said, if you're taking notes, the title of tonight's message, it'll be on the screen, A Royal Priesthood. A Royal Priesthood. And here's just what I want you to know. This is part of your identity As God's sons and daughters. It's part of your identity for you as the body of Christ, which is mind-blowing when you understand the uh, role of a priest in the Old Testament. And so you've maybe heard the saying before, uh, your identity, it informs your activity, right? Have you heard this before? Or who you are informs what you do. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to unpack what it means to be a royal priest and how this should inform how we actually love and serve people. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to give us a little context of what it means to be an Old Testament priest. And I'm going to give us four simple points of your identity as a royal priest. And then we're going to go go in on some worship for the rest of the night. Is that good? Is that great? Amazing. Let's pray. God, uh, we love you. Thank you for every young adult all across the state. And I just pray that you would... um, correctly convict and illuminate and bring to surface the things in our lives that we need to hear tonight. Bring to surface the the ways that we need to pursue and love people better, God. Bring to surface uh, where we need to uh, rearrange and reprioritize so that we can be a light on a hill, so that we can be salt of the earth. We love you, God. We pray all this in King Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me give you a little context before we get to to 1 Peter. Uh, An Old Testament priest, uh, just go with me for a second. An Old Testament priest was basically a mediator between God and the nation of Israel. The Israelites, they were God's chosen people. And after he freed them from Egypt, he was leading them into the promised land. He gave them instructions to build a tabernacle and eventually a temple. And in this tabernacle was where the presence of God dwelt. In this tabernacle, God handpicked and selected a group of people that were called to be set apart from the nation of Israel. They were to be priests. And as priests, they had a lot of different duties and responsibilities, but their main role was two things. Minister to God and then minister to other people. Minister to God and then minister to other people. And so with that said, I want to put 1 Peter 2-9 2-9 on the screens, if you have your Bibles, your apps, whatever, you can turn there, but it'll, it'll be on the screen. 1 Peter 2-9. Uh, Peter is writing uh, to a, a people that have been persecuted and scattered all throughout Asia Minor. And, and, and Peter is writing to a group of people that are trying to figure out how to follow Jesus in a culture of people that are not following Jesus. He's writing to a people that are trying to live holy in a culture where people are not living holy. And so, starting in verse nine, we're just going to look at this one verse. Here's what it says But you, Rally, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you, Rally, may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, listen, there's so much here. Okay, we don't have time. There's so much here. I want to zoom in on what Peter means when he says that we are a royal priesthood and how it will actually affect the way we love and serve people in 2021. So here we go. Point number one, as a royal priest, you now have direct access into the presence of God. As a royal priest, you now have direct access into the presence of God. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 19 through 20. Here's what it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. So listen with me, go with me here for a second. In the tabernacle, there was a room in the very back called the Holy of Holies. And in this room was, an, it was called the Ark of the Covenant. It was a gold box and it was w- symbolic of where the presence of God dwelt. And on only one day of the year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would make atonement for the nation or he would make atonement for the sins of the people of Israel. And he only did this once a year, okay? Because if he went in there at any other time of the year or if he went in there when he was not holy or didn't go through the purification rites, he would have instantly dropped dead in God's presence. Okay, listen to me, I'm going somewhere with this. The high priest was symbolic of Jesus Christ, the true high priest who died on a cross for my sin and for your sin and gained us access into, pre- into God's presence for good. It says in the Gospels that when Jesus took his last breath, the veil of the curtain in the temple was torn in two, signifying that those who put their faith in Jesus now have no restriction into the Holy of Holies. Is that good news for anybody? That now we can access God's presence 24 Seven, we are all priests now. Every single one of us. And so listen to me. I say all of that to say, your pursuit and love of people will always be an overflow of your personal intimacy with God. Always. As a priest, your number one priority should be spending time in God's presence because from this place, he will begin to mold and shape your heart, mind, and desires to his. Only in this place. It is impossible to be a person of God's presence and not be a person who pursues and loves others. Listen to me. You will not, listen, listen, hear me. You will not have a heart of compassion and have eyes to see people the way Jesus saw people on your own strength. It's near impossible. Right? Some of you know exactly what I'm saying. Because we're selfish and we're fleshly and we focus on ourselves. It will always be on the other side of pursuing God's presence. That's why our values are what our values are. They aren't random. We don't just throw stuff up on a screen. We want you to pursue the presence of God, then pursue people, then pursue the ways of Jesus because we know you're going to pursue people and you're going to pursue the ways of Jesus once you have intimacy in the presence of God. And listen, Jesus Christ modeled this best. If you read throughout the Gospels, you see all throughout the Gospels that it says Jesus would wake up and go to a mountainside by himself in what? pray, or Jesus would go to a lonely place, or a desolate place, or a secret place, and what it's saying is Jesus would, in the busyness of ministry, in the busyness of healing, in the busyness of ministering to other people, Jesus made it a first priority to get alone with his heavenly Father. This has to be our first priority rally. You will pour from a dry and empty well if you don't first fill yourself up every single day from the well of life who wants to create in you a spring of water that overflows into everyone you interact with. Last thing I want to say. One of the best ways to pursue and love people apart from this, and, and, and hear me, do not pray for this if you, don't, if you don't want it and if you don't mean it. One of the best ways is to simply pray and ask God to give you eyes of compassion. It's very simple, but if you want to pursue and love people, simply ask God. And I'm telling you, do not ask him if you don't want it, because you will get God. You will get God. God will begin to open your eyes to realities that you've never really seen before. He'll, be able to, he'll begin to open your eyes to see people the way he saw people, and it will do something inside of you. It will burden you in a healthy way. So don't ask him if you don't really want to be about it. Hey, listen. You're a priest now because the high priest, King Jesus, gained you access into God's presence. And from this place, I promise you, he will give you a heart and a desire to love in broken world. Number two, it will be on the screen. As a priest, you have been set apart for ministry wherever God has called you. You've been set apart for ministry wherever God has called you. And listen, I want to hang out for here for a bit, okay, <clears throat> because this is... What I felt like, our teaching team felt like this was like the heart of what we wanted to communicate tonight in this message. So listen to me. We have created in the church world, especially in my opinion in like westernized southern church culture, this idea that there's a difference between holy and secular. That there's like a category of people who are on staff at a church, right, and then there's everybody else. And in this category, their job is to disciple, to pray for, um, to cast out demons, right, to do all these things. And then in the category over here, it's just everyone else. And their job is just to submit and do what the pastors say. I believe culture has painted this picture of ministry that isn't necessarily biblical. People have um, talked about going into ministry or called into ministry as if it was reserved for pastors or full-time members at a church, Many of us, if we really asked ourselves, we would believe that kingdom work and ministry is left for the professionals. And listen, hear me loud and clear. Like, this is my heart for you. Jesus, Paul, or no one else in the New Testament speaks, ab- speaks this way about being a disciple of Jesus. The way they speak about it is the reality that every single one of us are priests now. That we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and called to do kingdom work. The playing field is even. Right? There's no spiritually elite anymore. The spiritually elite are those who have been saved and sealed with the Holy Spirit. Whether you're called to church work or called to be a nurse. Right? We are all ministers with different assignments. So let me prove it to you. Look at Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. And he, talking about Jesus, and Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to do what? Equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Do you see that? Listen, lock in. I want to give you a perspective shift tonight. This verse says that God has given pastors, prophets, prophets, God has given leaders in the church to equip you. According to this verse, you're the ones on the front lines of ministry, not me. You are on the front lines of ministry. My job is to activate you so that you can make a kingdom impact at your jobs, your classrooms, and your sports teams. That is my job. If you ask the majority of people in a church where they encountered God, most people would point to a pastor's message or some type of moment in worship and praise God for those moments, but that is not the primary place God wants to pour out his power. It is through you in the community as you're using the gifts and callings God has given you. Paul's vision for a church is not a bunch of people rallied around a charismatic leader just to hear what he has to say each week. It's a factory to grow up leaders and equip the saints who are operating in the power of the spirit and whatever spirit of life they're in. Guess how many miracles happened in the book of Acts? Forty. Guess how many of them happened inside the church? One. 39 of them happened outside of the church. You see where I'm going here? Listen, I wrote this down, and I want, to, I want you to hear my heart on this. Real ministry is the stay-at-home mom who disciples and raises her kids to be like Jesus. Real ministry is starting a business that honors God and points people to Jesus in the way you steward it. Real ministry is being an architect or engineer or painter or artist and designing beautiful things that point back to the glory of God. Real ministry is being being a nurse or a doctor and taking care of sick and hurting people to point them towards a greater physician. Real ministry is the teacher who brings a smile to a student's face every single day. You see what I'm saying? I could go on and on. My job as a pastor is to equip and prepare you for those moments. Also... Uh, this is in John Mark Comer's book, Garden City, you should all read it, it's amazing. He talks about how the word for ministry simply means service. And I love, he talks about it on staff at his church, if he hears any of his staff members say that they're, on, they, they're in ministry, he quickly corrects them. Because ministry just means service. And some of us, me, Josh Bull, our service just so happens to be at the church. Your, your service may be in a classroom, or a coffee shop, or a hospital room, whatever it may be. And hear this too, I wrote this down because I've had a lot of these conversations with young adults. The epitome of your spiritual maturity is not working on staff at a church. It's not. And I've heard, I've, I've had, I've sat across coffee tables and heard some of you wrestle with that. Like the idea that your like spiritual maturity or intimacy with Jesus is connected to you like potentially being on staff at a church one day. That's not what Ephesians 4 or the New Testament writers talk about. Can I just be honest? All cards on deck, I'm jealous of you sometimes. Me, Josh is saying, yeah, because we talk about this. I, I'm so thankful and grateful for the call on my life right now. I love teaching the Bible. I love doing this. But you know there's times where I wish I was just in the business world making a little bit more money, you know, and just sitting at a desk and sitting at tables with people who are, don't know Jesus and don't care about Jesus. I'm in a bubble sometimes, and I, and hear me. I love my job. Don't don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just I'm making the point. I'm jealous of you sometimes because you are called to be on the front lines of ministry. I'll end with uh, two more stories or two stories, and then and I'll move to the next point. I got to keep going. It's funny how God will prepare me for these messages. Um, last week I was at my family's house for celebrating my mom's birthday and. Uh, my sister, she got a phone call while we were eating, and she, she, she said, I have to take this. And she came back in. She had tears running down her face. And uh, she said that, so my, my, one of my sisters, is she does pediatric oncology, which I don't know. I mean, that's amazing. Um, but she said that one of the, the, the uh, little boys that she's um, been helping over the last uh, couple months passed away. And it was the third uh, patient she's had that's passed away that week. And she had got off the phone with her other nurse, her friend, that was really close with this boy. And, and this nurse, was, she said she was on the phone sobbing. And the nurse was saying how, how she loved this little boy and how the, how the little boy said that this nurse was like her best friend. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, that's it. That's ministry. That is, that is bringing the kingdom of heaven into a nurse's room. That, that is using your passion and your gift to do ministry. That is it. And please hear my heart tonight. If you're gonna be a teacher or a nurse or whatever it may be, you're on the front lines of ministry. Just last week, I got some stomach issues I'm trying to figure out. I used to make fun of these people, but now I'm one of those people. And it's really frustrating. (coughs) But anyways, uh, so I went to get some x-rays done. I'm I'm fine, don't text me like I'm fine. But I went and got some some x-rays done and before I went in, I was talking to this, this old sweet old lady, um, and she said, baby, can I pray for you? I said, absolutely, you can pray for me. And this, this sweet old lady, she grabbed my hand and just prayed over me, like before I went and got x-rays. And again, I felt like God was winking at me saying, hey, do you get it? Do you get what I'm trying to get you to communicate next week? Like, this is ministry. You are on the front lines. Um, before I move on, I want to do this. I didn't know if I was going to do this. I do want to do this. Um, I want, if you are um, not called to vocational ministry, which is probably the majority of people in this room and all across the state, will you just stand up right now? Will you just stand up? I would love to pray over you. Is that okay? If you're not called to vocational ministry. Great. Great. She just said, you might want to explain vocational ministry. Sorry, I work at a church. I'm in a bubble. I just assume people know these things. So if you're not called to be a pastor, or be on staff at a church one day. Yeah, more people are standing up. There we go. Sorry, again, I'm in a bubble. So if you just feel like, hey, I'm called to be an engineer, I'm called to be a football player, I'm called, like, whatever it may be, stand up. I would love to pray for you. I would love to pray for you. God, right now, in Jesus' name, I bless these people. I impart Holy Spirit authority to these people. I pray against any lie that tries to say that they are second class or they are JV or they are lesser than because they aren't called to a church. God, they are on the front lines of ministry. Your word says, Ephesians 4 says, that they are the ones doing the frontline work of ministry. My job is to equip them, and I pray they would feel that power. I pray they would feel that authority. And I just pray you would continue to um, illuminate giftings and passions so that they can step into these jobs and bring your kingdoms wherever it may be, God. Thank you for this group of people. Thank you. And God, I don't want to belittle the ones that are called to the church. Thank you for the ones that are called to the church. God, you use all of us. We are all priests now, ministers with different assignments. And I bless all of them in King Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all can take a seat. We are all priests filled with the Holy Spirit and it is all of our callings to do ministry wherever God has us. Good? Great. Point number three. I got to go. You must live a life, as a priest, you must live a life that is radically different from the world. Let's look at Leviticus 8.30. People are like, Leviticus? Oh, my goodness. Leviticus 830, here's what it says. Then Moses, ah, this is amazing, took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood from the altar and sprinkled them, in, sprinkled them on Aaron in his garments and on his sons in their garments. So he consecrated Aaron in his garments and his sons in their garments. You may be thinking, what in the world does this have to do with me? Well, if you study, th- study this, actually everything because Aaron and his family, they were part of the priesthood. And in the Old Testament, to be a priest, they had to be sprinkled with blood and they had to be sprinkled with oil. And this is symbolic of us being priests now in 2021. We have to be covered by the blood of Jesus. And we also, also have to be anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? Right? And so when, we're, when that happens and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, not only are we set apart for ministry, but listen, and this is where I'm going with this point, we're also set apart for holiness. Let me say that again. Not only are you set apart for ministry, but you're also set apart for holiness. And this is what I mean when I say called to a life that is different than the world and different than culture. Listen to me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. There's gonna be some conviction here. Okay. It's okay. It's good. It was. I had it first. You will not have credibility with non-believers if you talk like, act like, date like, spend your money like, work life like, or pursue a spouse like everyone else in the world does. You will not gain the attention of the world if you just fit right into exactly what they were, what they are doing. We are called to be salt of the earth. Light on a hill. Listen, I'm, and, and hear me. Let me pause for a second. I'm not saying just be a stuck up Pharisee who turns their nose up to the world. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is live a way that reflects the beauty and glory of Jesus in the midst of the world that will command their attention, right? You living different and pursuing holiness is a doorway into having conversations about Jesus, it's a doorway. It's a doorway. I'll never forget in college, you know, when I was still playing uh, baseball, my wife now, <coughs> excuse me, when we were dating, um, we, we really said, hey, we're going to go in with this purity thing. And, and we're going we're gonna to try to do this the right way. And I'll never forget, guys on the team would look at me literally like I was crazy. They're like, you're telling me y'all don't have sex? Like, what's wrong with you, you know? And they're like, you're telling me you, you try not to watch porn? Like, what's wrong with you? And in those moments, I got to say, well, they'd say, well, tell me, like, why? And in those moments, I got to say, well, let me tell you about Jesus. And, and, and let, me, let me tell you about why he's the thing that fulfills me, not sex or pornography. Let, let, let me tell you what his word says. And it was an door, it was an open door to conversations about Jesus. The way you live your life, it will do that. I want to throw a, a quote on the screen. There's, there's a guy named Michael Green. He's a British theologian, and he's a famous scholar from Oxford. In, in, in one of his books titled Evangelism in the Early Church, it says this, <clears throat> 80% or more of evangelism in the early church was done by ordinary Christians simply explaining their life to friends and family who kept asking why. How wild is that? And so I just wrote a couple questions down that I believe that they would have asked the early church. Why do you date that way? Why do you pursue purity that way? Why are you so humble? Why are you always breaking bread together in community? Why do you always pray and quote the Bible? Why do you serve people all the time? Why are you so joyful? Why do you say no to the things of the world? Why do you pursue holiness in every facet of your life? And here's just the question that uh, I want to ask you, Rally, and I want you to write this down. Do people ever ask you why? Do people ever ask you why? Because if you're a priest pursuing a life of holiness, people will eventually start asking questions. And also, I love that it says you're a royal priesthood which that's a whole nother message of what it means to be a king and a priest. But what it means also, you need to remember who you're representing. You're a royal. You are kings and queens representing a king. Remember who you're representing. You're representing King Jesus and his kingdom. And I hope that we are a people that reflect that and not the world. Another conviction, it's coming. It's okay, it, it got me first. And 10 years from now, Will the people you work with or sit in a classroom with remember the way you loved them like Jesus? Or will they remember how you said you were a Christian but acted just like everyone else? Listen, you have been set apart for holiness, Rally, Go after it. Because it will command the attention of a broken world. Number four. As a priest, your personal testimony can have a profound impact on someone's life. As a priest, your personal testimony can have a profound impact on someone else's life. I want to look back at 1 Peter 2.9. You're a chosen people. We just read it. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so Peter, on the front end of this verse, he, he speaks identity into them. He says, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. Right? You're, 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 um, you're called. He's saying, okay, that's who you are. And then on the second half of the verse, he says, now this is what you're called to do. He says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you know that this is part of every one of your callings? To tell people how Jesus has saved you? To tell people how he took you from darkness to light? To tell people how he healed you? To tell people how amazing he has been in your life? This is what priests do. They declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light you were only a priest because Jesus saved you by his blood and sealed you with his holy spirit and now he has you on a specific journey and has a specific story that is be- being beautifully written and i just want to put in front of you that you declaring this story to a broken world is one of the most appealing things you telling a broken world what jesus has done for you it's one of the most appealing things All of you, I talked about this last week at Clemson, all of you have a personal testimony that can can minister to all different types of people. Your testimony can minister to someone way better than I could. And you have different things about your testimony that can minister to people way better than I could. Maybe it's you struggled with anxiety. Maybe it was pornography. Maybe it was addiction. Maybe it was my parents went through, excuse me, a divorce. Maybe it was I was abused. Right? Each of you all have a different story. And there's someone God is going to put in your path that your story of walking through that and how Jesus has been the thing that has satisfied and sustained you along the way, I promise it can change someone. I promise. Also, I want you to know this. We talked about this last week too, so sorry if you're hearing it twice. Your pursuit of one person can multiply life change. We talked about the woman at the well, remember in John 4 when Jesus this, has this amazing encounter with this woman and she ends up going to a village and a whole village gets saved, right? You remember this. So here's my challenge, who is the one non-believer or even Christian who is really struggling right now that you can go after and pursue for the rest of your time at Clemson or for the rest of your time at South Carolina or for the rest of your time at that job? Who is one person? One person, I promise sharing your testimony with them and loving them and pursuing pursuing them will do things over time that you couldn't even imagine, couldn't even imagine. So here's how I want to end. You're a royal priesthood now, it's amazing. It's part of your identity, whether you like it or not. And it comes with direct access to God's presence It it comes with being set apart for ministry wherever God has you. It comes with pursuing a life of holiness that will command the attention of a broken world. And it comes with being able to declare all the wonderful things God has done in your life. And so here's the thing, I don't don't have this grand landing of the plane. As I was praying through this moment, I was like, God, what, what do you want me to say? And I just, the three words, be about it. Be about it. We should get rally t-shirts made said, be about it. Because Jesus said, you will know who my disciples are by the way they what? Love people. This is not profound. It's so simple. But Jesus said, it's the thing that changes the world. It's the thing that commands the attention of a broken world. So let's be about it. Let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers. Let's not just say, yeah, I got it. I'm a Christian. I love people. Are you actually doing that? And I just feel this too. Like some of you, this idea of a, of a royal priesthood, it's a foreign concept. You're like, what are you talking about? And it's because you haven't put your faith in Jesus. And, I, and your heart's beating and you feel it in your spirit. And I, I, again, I, didn't, I don't always plan like stuff like this. I don't plan it. But I just feel like there's supposed to be an invitation tonight. That, that, that God is saying, hey, I have made a way into God's presence. Like the high priest, King Jesus, he sacrificed on the cross for your sin and for my sin. Why? Because you were a sinner separated from God. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus loved you. God loves you and his proof of that was Jesus. And so I just believe there's some of you that you need to say yes to Jesus tonight. Maybe there's someone here in Clemson, maybe it's Myrtle Beach, maybe it's Greenville, I don't know. There's someone that needs to say yes and to the high priest so that you can become a part of this royal priesthood. And so here's what I'm just going to ask. We've got a minute and 15 seconds left, but that doesn't matter. I want you just to bow your heads all across the state. And if your heart's beating and, you, and, you're, and you're thinking, man, I, I, this, I don't really understand this, but I, I feel like something's happening inside of me, that's the Holy Spirit. And He's saying, come home. And He's saying, the high priest has done it all. Just put your faith in Him and you can join this priesthood. And if that's you and um, you, you can just, under, uh, to yourself, under, uh, by yourself, you don't have to say it out loud, just repeat this prayer after me. Uh, God, I'm a sinner. And I need you. I I, I am separated from you. But I believe that you died on a cross for me. I believe that um, you are the high priest that took away my sin. And I put my faith in you. I put my confidence in you. From now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. And so here's... uh, Here's what I want to do. This is always the part where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. You know what? I, I, I said this at Taco Falls the other week. Following Jesus, uh, it's not a private thing. It's a public thing, right? And so I just want to ask, like with everyone looking, everyone, everyone eyes up, everyone's heads up, eyes up, eyes open, heads up. If you prayed that prayer and if you said, hey, I want to be a part of this priesthood, whether it's Myrtle Beach, Greenville here, can you just slip your hand above your head? Can you, can you raise it up? I saw one hand. Can you raise it up? Okay, two hands. Amazing. Amazing. Listen, listen. this is not some like weird thing. This is not like, this is, you were a sinner separated from God going to hell. And Jesus saved you. Like this, this is the greatest news ever. I was talking to a girl that got saved one time. I said, how do you feel? She said, I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. I said it has, it was the weight of death, right? It's, the way, it's reality and now you have life, eternal life with King Jesus is the most amazing reality. And so here's what I'll say, we're going to have as we dive into worship, we're going to have a prayer team, a care team up front and if you, those of you that raise your hands, I would love to, my team would love to connect with you at the end of this or if you just want prayer, if you want to change your testimony tonight. If you want to, if, if, if you're broken or you need healing or whatever it may be, you can come up front. We'll have prayer team, and you can just receive prayer. Also, the altar is open. We're going to go in on some worship. The altar is not a New Spring thing. It's a Bible thing. The altar is open. And so come up here. Receive prayer. Worship at his feet. Do whatever you need to do. We are a royal priesthood. For those of you that raise your hand here in Clemson and across the state, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. And so let me pray. Let me pray, and we'll um, kick it back to campuses, and we'll jump into worship here in Clemson. God, we love you. Thank you that the weight of death and the weight of sin was lifted off of at least three people in this room. Thank you that we are a royal priesthood, and we're called to holiness, and we're called to pursue other people, and I pray that we would be about it. We wouldn't just talk about it, God, we would be about it. That is so cliche, but we would be people that are about it, loving and pursuing you, God. You are so kind. You are so good. I pray that the people that got saved tonight, they would experience such intimacy with you, and they would know how loved they are by you, God. Open their eyes to that reality. We love you. Help us to experience your presence in the next 20, 30 minutes. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.